Wow, it feels good to be a freed man, doesn't it? Man, woman, woof. Now, if you've ever watched Let's Make a Deal in the olden days with Monty Hall, or in recent years, I think Wayne Brady has been the host. You know the basic idea of the show. We gave you a little portion of it this morning. In fact, over the next four more weeks, we're going to keep playing the game, so you never know. You might win a prize. Um, but life is a lot like this show. See, in early days of, of our world, people traded their goods for other goods. Or eventually, you know, you traded goods for services rendered. So today, even in our society, today we trade our services to receive good. Uh, good. We receive money, and we take that money and we trade it for the things that we need or we want in our life. It's the same thing, just repeating itself over and over again. When you buy a car, and it turns out to be you know, just a garage bill that you keep paying on a monthly basis, you got a bad deal on that car. When you buy a pizza that tastes like cardboard, you got a bad deal. Should have made a better deal. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, we tend to operate pretty much on a similar wavelength. We kind of weigh. I think we do. We weigh, are we going to pray or go to church? Or maybe if we maybe we should stay home and get catch up on our sleep and catch up around the house and we weigh our choices which would be the better thing to do now some christians just basically hope for the big payoff you know heaven you know that's the ultimate payday but for many of us we still weigh how it's going to pay off in this life does following christ give us a good deal or should we just do what we want and we kind of Play some of that moment by moment, choice by choice. Are we going to do what God wants? Sin is as simple as thinking, I think my life would be better today if I did what I want rather than what God wants. We treat it so casually, and yet it's so critical. And somehow in that process, we doubt God's power or we doubt God's love, or at least we doubt God's timing. Christians continually decide for themselves if taking up the cross is worth it. I mean, taking up the cross, that's, that's hard work. Is it going to pay off? And there are four words I want to talk about to start this, this series that are critical that help us decide how we're going to deal or what we're going to determine what we're going to do with our life. And the first word is is receiving. We're all, we know that word, don't we? And if you're a longtime follower of Christ, you know that our salvation comes by receiving Christ as our Savior. We receive forgiveness for our sins. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So receiving isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, some people don't know how to receive. The second word is earning. Christians don't believe we really earn anything. We don't earn God's forgiveness. We don't earn our ticket to heaven. And in some way you could say we don't really earn our spiritual growth either, though we do participate in it, because everything that, even if we advance in our faith, it's really by God's grace that we do so. So we can't really earn even that. 
Now, those two words are pretty fundamental to the Christian faith, if you've been part of this. It's definitely confusing to a lot of people who don't, uh, don't know what the Christian faith is about. But for those of you who do, that's pretty standard stuff. The next two words get a little trickier. The next word is trying. We, we kind of get that word, trying. And while we don't believe in, that we earn our salvation, we'll receive it, we also believe that we should try to live a good life. Right? I think most Christians would say, yeah, try. Try is part of our, our, what we do. But the thing is that trying will only get you so far. It will actually not get you the life you really desire in, your, in this life. In fact, just by receiving and trying those two things alone, you're ultimately going to leave you stalled out in your Christian journey. And that's where a lot of people end up. It's just like, oh man, I, I've received Christ and I'm try, I tried and mm, just not getting where I want to go. It's no wonder at that point many Christians start making bad deals, bad choices in their life. Which brings us to our last word. And that's the word training. And you think, well, trying and training, aren't they kind of the same deal? Actually, not even close. I mean, I could try to run a marathon tomorrow. I would not be able to do that. At this age, maybe would never be able to do that. Um, but maybe if I trained hard enough, I could work towards at least a half marathon or something. I could get up there in the worship team and I could try to play guitar, but it would not go well. But if I practice for the marathon, if I learned to play the guitar and took lessons, it would require various degrees of training. And many people just fail in their Christian life because they don't understand that. They don't understand the two critical things in the Christian growth. One is to be led by the Spirit. We've been talking about that for weeks. And number two, they don't understand how to get beyond trying to training. Sin, selfishness, hate, lust, greed, they just don't go away once we receive Christ. And sometimes just by trying to overcome them, it doesn't always work. And it doesn't have to be sinful things that get in the way of our spiritual development. You know, as Christians, we can kind of say, well, it's just hard enough to avoid sin, let alone to avoid the other things in life that necessarily aren't sin, but that become problems when we elevate them too highly or get dependent upon them. I think I've confessed to this church a few times that, like a lot of our culture, I am addicted to sugar. Can I get an amen there? Anybody else got addicted to sugar? I find myself, and again, not necessarily this terrible, rotten sin, but I find myself journeying from my office almost daily to the country fair to get myself the 99 cent Dr. Pepper. It's a little reward in my day, a little bit of chance to get out. Maybe a candy bar too, or, or two. For, for some of the rest of you, it's not that. It's, it's, it's shopping and buying things. And you want to spend your money as soon as you get it. For other people, it's technology 
Oh, the phone, it is so appealing to me. Oh, how I love to play games, how I love to look up things. Oh, I get to watch YouTube videos whenever I desire. This, it's not that these things are necessarily wrong, though I'm sure in certain cases they could be. It's mostly because they just become out of proportion in our lives. And the Christian life takes training. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27, Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating in the air. No, I strike a body to my blow and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We don't make good deals in our Christian life because we don't want to train ourselves. And Paul is making the point that the Christian life more is about training wisely than trying harder. Training wisely more than trying harder. John Ortberg once said, following Jesus means learning from him how to arrange your life around activities that enable you to live by the fruit of the Spirit. That's called training. Jesus once said to his people, Matthew eleven sixteen and 17, he said, to what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others, We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you, and you did not mourn. I've been thinking about this a lot more lately, about how our society has become doled out to both the joys and the sorrows of life. And I think we're the worse for it. Like much of society, we have chosen to want it all now. We tolerate a little of life's hardships as we have to. We eat when we are not hungry. We watch stuff whenever we can. We buy as quickly as we make. The problem is not our lack of things. For a lot of us, it's our abundance. And it's not so much that these things are bad as much as they just become too important, too dependent in our lives, too raised up high on a pedestal, And then often it affects our relationship with God. And when you get what you want too much, you become stalled out or you don't feel the joy of it anymore and you either need to get more of it to get a bigger thrill more often or, or you just get stalled out. I mean, it's just like, if I have to get a soda once a day, I'm either going to have to start getting it twice a day or I've just become immune to the joy of it. And again, that's just a small little thing. But it's a good example in my life. See, we as a society are immune to too much, to much of the joys of life, not because we do not have, but because we do have, and we have it all the time. Recently, there was a study at the University of Virginia on what people do when they get bored. They put a person in a room, sit them by themselves, no technology, nothing to look at, just the room. For 15 minutes. The only option that they had is they could hit a button. And if they hit that button, then electrical shock would hit, go through their body and it would hurt. Women. Women. 
one out of three of you hit the button. Men, are you laughing? You shouldn't be. (laughs) Three out of four of you hit the button. We will do just about anything to keep from getting bored. We couldn't. Christians should at least be able to pray for 15 minutes. Nilek quoted a statistic last week that says as much as 85% of people are dissatisfied with their lives. And I don't know all the reasons for that. And I'm sure sometimes in my life I could say that too. But I think at least some of that reason is because as a people we do not train at all. And I'm proposing that to experience freedom, we need to experience some hardship. I'm proposing that to flourish in life, we need to struggle in life. Now, I admit, for some of us, hardship just has a way of finding you at the doorstep, right? You've not been even getting a fair shake in your life, or recently you've had more than your share of hardship, and, and, and I realize that. But as followers of Christ, if we truly want to feast on life's good pleasures, we also need to fast from them. Now, as human beings, I understand that we are naturally attracted to good things rather than bad things. I mean, we hold a bacon bonanza once a year. We do not hold a broccoli bonanza once a year. We would not get the turnout, I don't think, for the broccoli. So today we're beginning a series on fasting. I've never preached a series on fasting. Eventually in this series, I'm going to... share with you my limited experience with fasting, but I am far from an expert. That was a good reason to do this subject, this series, because I needed to learn a little bit about what the Bible says about fasting and what that means for us. And there's a lot of different information out there. So, but today, I decided that everybody in this room, we're going to fast for 40 days. No food, no water, no nothing. You're with me, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to be much of a bonanza. Just we, Those cases in the Bible were extreme. And not what God's calling us to unless God gives you a very direct, clear thing. You, you can't survive without water without 40 days anyways. So God's going to have to speak to you directly to do that. We're not going to be promoting that type of fast. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to lay out some different challenges and it's going to start today and you can pick and choose what's right for you the good news is god not only calls us to fast he does call us to feast well you see that cycle especially in the old testament all the time and on sundays you get to feast a little bit more especially on easter sunday as we kind of culminate the series on easter sunday we're going to just enjoy the pleasures that god gives us easter sunday Well, first of all, we need to understand some fasting terms. I've already mentioned the absolute fast, which we're not going to do or promote. Now, of course, if you want to do spend one part of a day with no food or water, you'd probably be fine, but we're not really going to promote that. A normal fast is fasting from food and other liquids, but not water. That's what we would call a normal fast. Some people do a juice fast, which means that you only don't have food, but at least you have some juice that gives you some nutrients or whatever. But if you're a person who's like totally addicted to sugar like I am, that's probably not the best recommendation because you're still getting lots and lots of sugar when you do a juice fast. A partial fast is you're just giving up certain foods. 
Some people said chocolate earlier or whatever. And if it's something like that, you might be able just to fast the whole time from now until Easter with just, you know. But for some of us, if we choose more of a radical fast, we may not be able to do it the whole time from now till Easter. A health fast, so this is the one that I'm going to do, and this is the most extreme one, and I'm nervous about it because it's kind of a high challenge. It should not be done by everyone. I put some flyers in the back, um, and each week I'll send you kind of what your plan is for that. But that's a, it's a pretty radical um, diet to kind of help you kick sugar. Um, and so if you have, there's a lot of, there's also reasons in the back for why you shouldn't do it. Um, for if you kind of fit into a bunch of different categories. And finally, the abstinence fast, is which one I'd recommend for a lot of you, is that you would tend to covet all those other things too much, you know, whether it is your technology or your shopping or your sports or whatever thing, then you're going to kind of get, start to give those up for a time. And especially if you have a lot of association with food that is emotional, if it kind of flows into dieting, and if you have a lot of just baggage there, and a lot of us do, so don't think it, strange you may not want to do any type of food fast um but i i think that the key for us is in in the bible they fasted for lots of different reasons and each week i'm going to focus on a different thing that we're going to kind of focus on during our fast each week and but it was always for spiritual reason okay so you want to also include that spiritual part of it so that if you're giving up say lunch you you know, lots of times when people say, oh, I don't have time to read the Bible, or I don't have time to pray. You've got time now. You're giving up lunch, then you've got 30 minutes. You should insert. You're not only decreasing something that's not of value in your life, or if it's like chocolate, or if it's like sugar, or whatever, that's not important. You're raising what Christ is in your life. Okay? Now, if you're doing any type of radical fast, we're going to use what we call a reducing window. And that tends to be more successful if you kind of progress slowly gradually so each week your window for the time that you can eat or you can do your pleasure that you've you know you enjoy shopping whatever technology it will lower a little bit each week and as weeks go on don't worry that it's gonna it's like you're, okay see so dan yeah you're gonna be easy the first week and by the fourth week i'm not gonna have nothing to eat all week no there's just gonna be limited days of which we're gonna challenge you to do that okay so what chart starts out this week the week one challenge is this fast for 12 hours in a row each day but sunday the good news is sleep counts but it has to be 12 hours in a row so you can if you would say you stop if you're doing the food thing you got seven o'clock in the evening to seven in the morning okay and you can give up chocolate for that time period you can give up technology from that time you can give up sports from that time you can give up um, sugar from that time or whatever from 7 at night to 7 in the morning, that's 12 hours. And during that time, you're supplementing some of that with some disciplines in your life, some spiritual disciplines. But you include, you can really do any 12-hour time period you want to, as long as it's consecutive. And then definitely include that spiritual element of Bible reading or prayer. And then on Sunday, enjoy your pleasure on Sunday. Now, if you're doing a high... Uh, health fast like i am you you shouldn't go crazy with the sugar on sunday and again those sheets will explain a little bit of that in the back but if you're doing technology or other things enjoy your 12 hours of just enjoy it on sunday because you have to feast as well as fast each week i'm going to give you a kind of a 
of reason, a spiritual guidance of, from the Bible why they fasted and what they fasted for. And, what, and, and while I don't have time to go in length of, of one today, I want to give you one that kind of flows into what I, the rest of I, what I've said today. And that's the body discipline fast. We discipline just to curb our body. Because our body sometimes wants things, and they're not good for us, like sugar. And I want to give you three verses to focus on. They're in your bulletin. You can take them home. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's not blessed who hunger and thirst for Coke and French fries, but hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. Because we have flesh, which is not a bad thing, and even some of the passions and desires are not bad, but we've let them out of control. And it's time once in a while to crucify them a little bit, put them back in their place. Romans 8, 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if, you, if, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, our animal nature wants to be in control of our spiritual soul. And the enemy is often within ourselves as we elevate things that are meant to be enjoyed, but we end up prioritizing them too highly. And yes, they can become addicting. Fasting gets us back a sense of balance. And I realize for a lot of us, fasting is like, what? You're really, isn't that a Catholic thing? And isn't that like, whoa, I've never done that. Our society is so out of whack when it comes to getting what we want when we want it. And it's hard not to believe that I and you don't share in some way or another in that. I mean, have you ever gone on a mission trip and not had a hot shower for a few days and you came back home and said, oh wow, I am so thankful to be home. I have a hot shower. I took that for granted. Some of, that, some of this is as basic as that. You curb that body but to choose it out of your own free will and surrender it to God and then put his stuff in its place. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward now as I kind of start to wrap this up. Number one, pick your fast. What are you going to give up? Some of you might need to think about this a little bit. Some of you can make this extremely hard. Some of you can make this extremely easy. But include the spiritual time with God. Read these three verses this week, each day. Keep to at least a 12-hour window. If for some of you it's a small thing, you may be able to just give it up until Easter. I get it. But for some of us, I'm using this 12-hour window, and then we're going to lower the window each week. Except for, again, on some certain days, we will do it severe. Other days, we won't do it at all. So don't get too overly nervous about this. It would be wise to tell somebody. Be wise to have an accountability partner. Maybe some of you had one from last year. You could just ring them up again. You need encouragement because it's so easy to give in, especially when you haven't told anybody. I have not done a great deal of fasting in my life when it comes to food. I've done a little bit. I've never done this window thing. I've never given up. Well, I've given up soda. I don't know if I've given up for. I've maybe done it a little bit. A couple times, but I need to just really kick sugar in my life. There's a slip of paper in your in your uh, bulletin that's blank. There's one that's a bacon, and there's another one that's just blank. Do not write your name on it. I do not need to know 
who is doing what, but I would want you, one, out of your own level of commitment, just to say, I, I'm doing this. During this last song, I have a couple baskets here. And if you know what you're going to do and you kind of just want to write it down, I don't need to know your name. Write down what you're going to fast from for, for Lent and then encourage you to, to bring that spiritual element. And, and we're going to, this is going to be our offering. This is our real offering this morning to God. Um, and I would ask you, you know, that you pray for each other. Like I say, I'm, um, I'm going to try to do a, a, a harder one than I've, I think maybe I've done before. And yet at the same time, it's not about, the Bible has so many cautions on this about showing it off and becoming prideful or, you know, just all those things that you have to be careful of when you're doing something that is, is uh, hard for you. And so there's a lot of dangers as well. So as we uh, invite the worship team to lead us in song, if you're welcome to come and bring those pieces of paper forward, if you want to do it after service, if you want to have someone do it for you or whatever, please just do it as it's most beneficial to you.